You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeninginkingston.com. One year COVID anniversary for this show. Ugh. The, one year ago, we uh, we did our first from home show during COVID. Is it this? It is definitely a full year, eh? Yeah, it's been a full year. It's been a full year since it, so we had done the Sonic episode, and then the next week it was like everything shut down. <laughs> so we, we just talked. <laughs> we pivoted pretty well, all things We considered. did. Because I, I, I went back and looked because I was like, I wonder when this was. Because it was episode 83. And this is now we're at episode 136 or something. Wow. So episode 83 was our first one. And then I kept looking, okay, what did we do the first couple of weeks? Like we did like a streaming episode next and then a mailbag. And then uh, Tyler and I did a Star Trek Picard review. And then we were right into a movie club. Like we didn't miss a beat. Nope. I remember it being much more confusing <laughs> the first couple of weeks, but I guess I'm just not. We never took a break. I mean, no. I think we might have be like around the holidays. We re-aired an old episode, but we all we we do that during the holidays, anyways. So all things considered, we um, have done pretty well. Do you think we'll ever go back to the studio? I don't know. I mean, I guess it all depends how how quickly. You know, not to not to get into actual political topics, but I guess it does depend upon how quickly the vaccine does get out there and, and what that means, right? Because if, mm-hmm. if everyone, or I think they said like 75% of the population have to be vaccinated or something, if that happens, well, then power to us. We could we can go back and use studio time where, you know, we're part of CFRC, so we can do that. Um, but I don't know how long that's going to be because it's, you know, been kind of a slow roll over here. <laughs> where, uh... we, we may never see each other in person ever again it's quite possible <laughs> <laughs> it's quite possible and that's the thing like it, the more i think about it because i was thinking a lot about throughout the day i'm like okay we should like say something for this covid anniversary thing but but it's like i think things are probably going to keep going for at least a little bit <laughs> like yeah, at least we'll into just... the summer we're going to be i think exactly like this pretty much but you know if we've done it for a year what's a couple more months yeah, and I think I, I think you're right. I, I didn't think of it that way. I guess we didn't take a break. We just kept going. Yeah. We kept pumping out episodes. Um, got ourselves some microphones. Gave ourselves little setups at home. It, it's worked. We've we've done it. And we, I think we've done a lot of cool things in this past year. Like the movie Agreed. clubs brought on some cool people. Like I think we've done a lot of fun stuff. Totally agree. Great. Well, anyway, enough about how great we are. Um, <laughs> let's. Uh, we uh, do... Our award-winning show. Award-winning. About... That's true. I keep forgetting about that. Our award-winning show. Um, we do have some fan questions to kick things off today. And, and this is kind of, I, I guess the best way to describe it is a normal screening of Kingston episode because we're going to review some movies and we're yeah. going to hear from our fans. As normal um, as it can be under the circumstances. Exactly. Well, it's Oscar season. So... As people know who listen to this show, like I'm a huge fan of the Oscars. We always have a lot of fun with it. We're just trying to do movie catch up from now until the end of April when the Oscars happen to try to see all these Oscar nominated movies. So each week we'll try to review a couple of them. um, And hopefully you can watch along with us. Tell us what you think. Um, All right. Let's get some fan questions first, though, because our fans are great and quite a few people wrote in. Let's start off with something really nice. And this is for you, Taylor. Thank you. Um, This is from Akil who writes in and says, I, for one, always find Taylor delightful and her comments seem both well thought out and very mindful. So who cares about the haters? You're great in my books. Oh, thank you, Akil. <laughs> Akil continues to say, I oh. too saw Judas and the Black Messiah and I'm very interested to hear what Mike's thoughts are and why it wouldn't be nominated for Best Picture. I thought it was visually grabbing with amazing acting performances and I really enjoyed the film as a piece of art. So I'm very interested to hear what Mike has to say about it. P.S. Where is that new bingo card I play to? Um, <laughs> so first of all, Akil saying, Taylor, your th- your comments are well thought out and mindful. So there you go. Very nice. I, I needed the boost. It's been a hard couple months. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take those compliments where I can get them. So thank you. 
Um, and yeah, the bingo card thing. Uh, yeah, I, I just keep forgetting to upload a, a new one because I, I did take some of Tyler's edits and I put them in and I made a new bingo card, but I keep forgetting to upload it. So this week, I promise by the time you listen to this episode, the old bingo card and the COVID bingo card will be up side by side and you can choose, pick your bingo card, choose either one and, uh, and try to play. And play along. As for Judas and the Black Messiah, I'm going to get to that today. So stay tuned, Akil. You will you will hear from me. Uh, next up, we have Cody, who says, uh, Do you think that films such as Judas and the Black Messiah and The Trial of Chicago 7 should be considered adapted screenplays? While they are not based on any previous writing, they are based on events that took place and would have had, had things written about it in the news. They may not be adapted from a direct source, but it's hard not to consider them an adaptation when it's not an original idea with original characters. So that's that's thoughts from Cody. Uh, what do you think about this, Taylor? That's a really think? good question. I He brings up such a good point because it's history. So it's you're not making it up. It happened. You're filling in blanks that, and, that you might not know. And... and- this will sound a little unprepared, but there definitely have been in recent years, like recent um, award seasons, that there were adapt sc- uh, adapted screenplays based on newspaper articles. That definitely yeah. did happen recently. And I apologize. I can't remember the exact movie, but um, without a doubt, it was based on like a New York Times article. So Cody's right. How is that any different from these movies? The most recent example that I can remember of of a very weird movie being in that category of adaptation and, and not really quite getting it is is Whiplash. So Whiplash, the director and, and writer of that, wrote a short film called Whiplash and then turned it into a, a full-length feature. But my kind of argument as to why it wouldn't be adapted is it's still an original story. Like he made it up out of nowhere. Yes, he made a short film because that's all he could do. But then when he got the funding, he turned that short film into a big, like major movie. Um, I, I would argue it would only be adapted if someone else directed the feature. Exactly. Yeah. But if he did, it if he directs movie. it, his movie, then he should be original. So yeah, I, I actually kind of agree with that. Like to me, they would both be adapted because they're adapted from history. And even though they are some original ideas in there, you're still not creating new characters and really not creating a new plot. And you could be borrowing from dialogue and moments. You know how often in, in films um, that, that have kind of a history lens to it or something about a historic moment, they'll often show like footage at the end. Yeah. Of, of the of real people. That, yeah. That they've recreated. Yeah. To me, then that's that screams adaptation, even if it's real life. You're you're adapting something for for and for wouldn't movie. you even just think like court documents so mm-hmm. or like transcripts? So remember the um the the Ted Bundy movie we watched with Zac Efron yes. that has the yep. super long name and the how really long name? <laughs> yeah, it lifted dialogue right from the yep. transcripts. I don't know if that movie was considered an adaptation, but if the trial of the Chicago seven included actual dialogue from the court transcripts, that to me is an adaptation. Well, it must have because a lot of the moments that they, that happened, especially it's in the, the court. Scene, it, it, right? it's in the court. Yeah. Like it's in the court. Like the vast majority of the movie is there. So I'd imagine that they would have had to have taken some, like they would have to have known what happened, especially because there was a lot of weird stuff going on where they were trying to lump in a leader of the black Panther movement with the Chicago seven. And he, he didn't have a representation. And it was like this weird, really weird, like all that stuff would have been documented and they would have had to have taken from that in order to make it into a movie. So yeah, I, I feel like it's an adaptation. Yeah, I don't know what the rules are. I've never looked it up. <laughs> I don't, like everything else at the Academy, I think it's just some some vaguely written thing that they can then decide. They don't want to <laughs> give it best screenplay and then, you know what I mean? No, like there's yeah. like these categories where yeah but can you be can you be in best screenplay and best adapted screenplay for the same movie i would say no 
because th- that's why there's two. They've got the best original screenplay okay. and best adapted screenplay. So they they do a, a hard, what's supposed to be a hard line separation between you're nominated for one and, and not both because it's either adapted or it's original. Huh. And I think what Cody's pointing out here is that, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah and Trial Chicago 7 should technically be considered adaptations because I I buy Cody's argument. Yeah. Like I mean, I think that makes sense to me, but especially because <laughs> of the court transcripts. Yeah, that's true. If, if, if I think that's a very good way to look at it. If they took anything that that was even even to change it, but they took an idea from something previous, then it's an adaptation. I'm taking I'm taking this court transcript, I'm I'm changing it to make it more dramatic, but here here's our scene. There you go, that's an adaptation. 100%. Well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> that's a it's a good point, Cody. We're not going to argue with you. <laughs> I mean, there it is. <laughs> We're all in agreement. <laughs> um, next couple questions here uh, from Josh, our inquisitor, as always. He says, oh, hey, first two questions for both of us. Number one, in your opinion, what was the biggest Oscar snub? Now, Taylor, I want to answer this first because I, I have two right away. I think and I even said last episode, I'm like, there were no snubs. You said there were no. Yeah. And, and I think they did a pretty good job. I mean, I think that like we kind of talked about last week where the Oscars have trends, the Academy has a trend. One of the trends is they often forget about movies that didn't come out in the fall. So if something right. comes out too early, it kind of gets forgotten. And I thought that De Five Bloods maybe should have had yes. a little bit more behind it than than what it got. It got a couple of random nominations, but nothing in the, any of the big categories. No acting, no writing, not for directing. Yeah. So fair. That, that's to me, that's one. I sure. just, I'll be honest. I have not seen enough movies this year to weigh in. I think that all of the quote unquote big movies that came out and were on my radar, they all got nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that reason, I don't think there was any. I know people get very possessive or they get very passionate in terms of their favorite actors and like whether or not like, yeah. oh, why wasn't so-and-so nominated? So I don't know. Like I am not necessarily – I don't get that heated. And again, I just haven't seen enough movies this year to be like, oh, that was an amazing performance and I feel like it wasn't represented. So the movies that I thought did well, they did get – um, acting nominations mm-hmm. like I even think of me Amanda Seyfried yep. got best supporting actress so I don't know I don't have any complaints I know people are people always get zesty every year no matter what when their favorite actor their favorite director aren't in the categories so yeah I'm sure there'll the, be some upset but in my opinion yeah. I'm like so few movies came out this year all of exactly. the big <laughs> ones are in all of the big ones are represented meh like <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I, I guess, uh, yeah, for, for me, really, The Five Bloods is probably the only one, other than, like, I thought Uncle Frank was one of yeah, the best movies you had said from that. the year. Yeah, and, and I, I really am surprised they didn't get anything, like, even just some sort of recognition with a nomination somewhere. I thought that that might be the movie that gets that kind of, like, one random nomination where people are like, what is that? And then they discover that movie. Um, but uh, unfortunately not. But other than that, I actually agree with you. So I, someone pointed out in our last um fan questions there that uh, that there were less movies so it was kind of easier to keep track of i think that's c- quite true there weren't as many of those one-offs like who is this person from this random movie mm-hmm. who got nominated like you know you kind of know the core nine or ten movies um his next question is you spoke about online viewership last week for award shows do you think the oscars will implement this if not do you think this is something that will ever be considered post-covid if not used now I mean, they should, but I, I don't know. Are they going to? Like I, this I, haven't, year? I haven't heard. Yeah, I haven't heard if they were going to do anything. I haven't heard anything. Year. I saw I just cable. I saw one headline that they're enforcing a dress code. <laughs> what well, is, is this? Because <laughs> at the Golden Globes, people were in their uh, pajamas. Well, yeah, and, and Jeff Daniels was wearing like a, a plaid shirt, track and suits. Someone who won was wearing uh, like pajamas and a tracksuit and things like that. That's funny. They're implementing a dress. I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, um, And I saw I didn't read the article. I was re- really busy the last week, so I didn't get to like read all the articles I saw. But um, a they're enforcing a dress code and something about no zoom. I don't think you're allowed to zoom in. So how are they going to show us shots of the like award winners? 
I feel like it's like an in-person attendance. What? Because I saw one headline saying that the guest list, like they're having people attend. But again, like this is coming from a place of ignorance. I have not read the articles. Okay. And so that will we'll be something that this. I'll do this week. But yeah. it's it, the headline was no Zoom and no pajamas. Like, you know, so like dress code and no zooming in i guess well i know they're doing it like the golden globes where they're going to have two different locations i just assumed they were going to do it like the golden globes where you've got a host in each location but then everyone the else seats is, are empty yeah the seats are empty and everyone else is on zoom because they're doing one in new york and one in los angeles just to make it easier maybe um, they're doing like pre-recorded maybe like I, for better quality i have no idea yeah. i'll have to read the articles um do i think that they're going to do online viewership no <laughs> They should. But they should, I, but I don't think. I mean, I hope just like everything else with the Oscars, I hope that I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, I hope I have to eat crow when it comes to my Oscar predictions. But no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be online. How would they even do that? Like, it's so we're so close now. Wouldn't they have announced what platform they were going to use? They would have. Stuff? Yeah, I imagine they would have. I mean, it, it would be. It's the type of thing that you could probably. I'm sure the Oscars still does have enough pull and gravitas that they could go with Amazon and be like, okay, we're going to stream it. Here's the deal with Amazon. Here's how the money works. It's just promoting it. They they would have wanted to be promoting it by now if you were going to yeah. be able to get it somewhere. Because even like I know I bring this up a lot, but even sports is doing it now. Like everyone's ahead of the times or at least is with the times and the Oscars and the Academy isn't because even sports now, Thursday night football just signed a deal. All those games are going to be streamed online through Amazon. Like, well, I think I had said a couple of weeks ago, Dan and I opened up Amazon one day and there was a sport, there was a football game just streaming. It wasn't like a major one, but it was like, it it was an NFL game. Yeah, there you go. See, that's the thing. Like they they're at least starting to figure out, okay, this is where our audience is. Not everybody has cable. We should probably start figuring this out. Like I think the academy needs to do the thing. And the dress code thing, like that's um that's the height of like you're taking yourself too seriously. But like, I'm not surprised. Again, that's that's who they are, right? That's who they are. You're right. You're right. Why be surprised by anything? Um, Josh just wanted to finish with a point. This is for you, Taylor. He says, PS Taylor, I, like Mike, still have cable too. <laughs> Josh. I'm sure lots of people have cable. I just don't know many, many people who do. Yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. That's fair enough. I didn't have cable forever. Like I, for years and years and years, and and I mean, I've I've lived with like roommates and stuff, but then I've also lived on my own. And only when I moved this past year, I moved just as COVID post bat. Yeah, post bat movement to to the apartment I'm in now. I just decided, like, okay, I'm. I'm doing my business is going well and and you know this you is a nice apartment. It. I can afford cable. <laughs> I'll get the sports package. It'll be great. And then 2 weeks later COVID hit thank God and it. all the sports shut down. <laughs> and I was oh. like, "Oh no." I was going to say oh, thank God you have other things. Thank God yeah. you have TV to binge, but then it's like oh, you bought it for the sports. But I bought it for the sports. Um, <laughs> oh, and I you know, I don't regret getting it. That helped me through the summer. I mean, just the movie stuff alone I have oh, yeah. access to as well is awesome. But yeah, the sports thing is like, I can't believe I just like that's just happened. So we thought about it. Like technically we thought about um, because some internet providers, you can do like streaming, like kind of, I don't know, like tech savvy. You can get like channels on tech tech savvy. So we thought about doing it through our internet provider. But honestly, we still are at a point where we have enough Mm -hmm. other media that we don't that we're not missing cable. No, yeah, if you can if you can go without it, I mean, hey, it's it's great to save the money. Oh, a couple streaming platforms are starting to do that where they have channels like Crave. Yeah. Uh, I have four Crave channels and the two HBO channels cuz you have Craves. Like they've got stuff that they show on there. So that's kind of And you can do it through Amazon that. too. Like you can you can get like Amazon st- too. Amazon Prime also does channels oh, that you can like add on to your that. subscription price. So again oh, like add it on. Yeah, like, so when we were doing our movie club, one of the only way I could get one of the movies was to subscribe to Stars through Amazon. So I got a one month uh. free trial. And if I had let the month lapse, then I would have been charged $5 a month, like, hmm. just build, right? Like on my the credit card that I have on file. Right. And um, 
for a while you could get HBO through Amazon Prime, but I wonder if they've stopped that because of the deal with Crave. I don't know. Yeah, There's maybe, all of these maybe. weird streaming wars. Yeah, because right? the, the HBO and Crave deal is now so complex because HBO now has HBO Max, but because it's not available in Canada, I think I brought up you know months ago how I wasn't I didn't know how I was going to access all the stuff. Well, Crave's getting them. Crave's going to be the Canadian sort of HBO Max provider. So you get, yeah, you could get stuff through them. So there's some deal that they've worked out. So it might be exclusive, might not be. Who knows? Yeah, I right. don't it's know. kind of complex. Last fan question here comes from Austin, uh, who says, this is just an idea to consider. Not really a game, but something that might be a lot of fun. You should do a screening in Kingston Awards show sometime before the Oscars. You can either follow the Oscar categories and give your picks based on the films you saw in the past year or come up with your own categories. I think it'd be a lot of fun to do something around the Oscars that's award themed. Maybe you've got something like this planned. Maybe not, but it might be worth doing. And that's from Austin. Well, we definitely don't have it planned because that would be so counter to us as a show. You're, we we allow the fans, you, to tell us things and to plan things. And then for a week us. before we scramble, <laughs> then I we think, scramble it together. <laughs> I think last year we did that, didn't we? No, we did our Oscar picks, um, and what we what we did was we thought this is what we think would win, and oh, this is what okay. we want to win, Got and it. this is what we think deserves it. However, I think what Austin's saying is we might we'd either come up with our own categories or only basing it on the films that we saw last year. We decide winners um, and losers and, and, losers and <laughs> stuff. I mean, hey, to me, there's a, there's a shell of an idea here. Austin, if you want to email, email us again, give us some more details, come up with some thoughts. We'd love to do something like that. And, and as far as I'm concerned, I don't know what you think about this, Taylor. Maybe Austin can come on the show and yeah. host this. You know, and and provide us with the categories, and we'll pick things and stuff. That would, be fun. That, that would be fun. That if Austin, and it could be like, um, kind of like our movie club. People submit yeah. their own categories, and we like and pull we it out to, of a yeah. hat. Yes, yeah, pull, and we have to like scramble. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. So Austin, let us know what you think about that. If you want to come on the show, we got an official invite. I'll also email you back. Email me some details on on what you want to do, and we'll set this up for sometime in April. It might have to be um, movies that weren't aired in 2020. Because I saw, honestly, like, I have viewed so few movies this year. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be really hard for me to play that game. But I am completely game if it's, like, you know, best, best dog scene of all time like weird mm. categories right yeah. like that would be yeah, fun or, or yeah or or you know really focused on the show like what what was the best movie club film yeah um and like that's the thing like i think we we take from the movies we reviewed we go back to that list of what we gave it what we gave our ratings to when we did our year-end show and we we pull from that for everything you know try to find that out but yeah i, I think there's a lot of fun ideas here austin let us know let's do this let's uh, you know you can come on, produce that episode, um, decide what you want to do with it, and we'll uh, we'll just show up, yeah, <laughs> do our thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I don't remember how to do this. We gotta just talk about some movies. It's been so long, Taylor, <laughs> since we just reviewed a couple films. Yeah, um, it's like a new quote unquote new movie. Um, yeah. Normally we how just we go back this? and forth. All right. Well, <laughs> well, why don't sure. you start? Because you have two movies to review. I have two movies. Sure. So okay. we will well, go back and forth that way. Okay. Well, why don't I leave Judas and the Black Messiah till the end then? Because it's the one we've been teasing all this time. And I don't want to give people uh, that early because I know we want to talk about it and Kill wants to know. So let's 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 hold on. Um, let's uh, let's talk about the other movie I saw, which I decided to also watch One Night in Miami. Um, one Night in Miami is a film that came out on Amazon Prime. Uh, actually, I think it came out there exclusively. Like, I know some movies have started to open right. in theaters, but I think this was always going to be an Amazon Prime movie. That was what that was like the the feeling I was getting from from the promotions and everything that this was always meant to be a a streaming film. Um, it is also a movie that has been said that there's been some snubs happened here for Best Picture and maybe even Best Director Regina King directed this film regina king's mainly known though for for acting and this is her first uh major feature as a director but she's directed a lot of television 
So what what was this movie nominated actually for? So this movie got a nomination for Leslie Odom Jr. who uh, for Best Supporting Actor who played Sam Cooke. Okay. Um, I believe it got nominated for two other categories, but they weren't any of the other big ones. I'm just going to look it More up like now. Technical. Oh, no, okay. Well, Best Adapted Screenplay. Okay. That's and Best Achievement one. in Music Writing for a Motion Picture for an original song. So there's an original song, Speak Now, that Leslie Owen Jr. sings. Um, so so song, best song, best performance by an actor in a supporting role, and best adapted screenplay. Okay. And a again. Smattering, like a smattering of awards. Yeah. And again, going back to what Cody said, I think this is best adapted because it's based on an event that happened in, in life. <laughs> it's based on history. <laughs> so do the directors and maybe like, I know Nicole knows a lot about the rules of Oscar of the Oscars. So maybe Nicole can write in cause we're lazy and we don't do our own research. Um, do the film directors get to pick what category? Like, I wonder if it's one of those cases where in a, um, and sometimes you see this with the acting categories that, um, they want to like angle in such a way to win to win. So instead of putting someone in like best lead, they put someone in best supporting. Right. Okay. So you, you know what know I'm trying to say? Yes. And do you know, want to know something really funny? Any other week, I wouldn't have been able to answer this question, but it just so happens I was reading about this. Oh. So you just happened to bring this up because what this is what had happened. We're going to go off on a tangent here, but it's fine. Um, so the movie Judas and the Black Messiah has yes. two actors nominated for supporting actor. Um, right. Da- Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Lakeith Stanfield. They're both nominated in the actor category. Now, I want to double check because I think the issue was they're both nominated for um, supporting. So they're both nominated for a supporting actor. But the movie, so the producers, actually sum- submitted Lakeith Stanfield as a as a lead actor. But the Academy bumped him down to supporting and gave him the nomination. So normally, and I was reading about this and, and I even listened to a couple podcasts just about this issue. Normally a producing party will get together, whoever's the producer of the film, and they will submit it, the, the whole four-year consideration thing comes from right. the Oscars. They, when they send the screeners at the bottom of the screen, it says for your consideration, Lakeith Stanfield for best you know actor in a leading role. Okay. But this is one of the rare times that for whatever reason, the Academy voters didn't listen and they just nominated him for best supporting. Which like, is so just, they, like, like everyone over, was just like, wait, they, why? They override, <laughs> I guess. They had like I guess the so. they just said they just said, no, 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 both of these guys are supporting. They're not leads. And it was like, oh, okay. I, I guess so. And so, that's all. It's, it's never happened before. Normally, you, as a producer, you submit and you decide, okay, I'm submitting. And the decisions you're talking about, Taylor, that comes from the producers. They go, you know what? I, I don't think our, our person will win in in, in, in best lead. So I'm going to put them in supporting. I'm going to submit it to the Academy as a supporting character. I'm going to justify it by this amount of screen time or whatever. And then there you go. So do you think that's back to the Cody's question about adapted versus original? Like at the end of the day, do, do the producers get to pick? Well, usually, usually they, they get to submit. Like usually a producer will say, okay, this is an adapted, whatever. But I guess I've never seen this before. And everything I've read has said they've never seen this before. I guess the Academy could just override that and be like, no, no, no. We consider this person over here. But it's a voting system. That meant every member of the Academy who's voting must have been like, no, no, no. They're both supporting. And <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> they're supporting <laughs> actors, which is weird because I'm te- like, I saw this movie. Didn't you and- think they were both equally leads? Yes. I thought they were leads. Yeah, absolutely. 100% leads. Like I would have said they're both like if they were not both nominated for best lead, like lead actor, I'd be like, oh, absolutely. Like this, it's different than One Night in Miami. One Night in Miami really shares the screen time between the four main characters that were falling. Like it's Sam Cooke, um, it's uh, it's Muhammad Ali, it's Jim Brown, and it's Malcolm X. So because there's four of them, there's not as much screen time to pass around. But right. for these two guys in Judas and the Black Messiah, like they're both leads of the film. Like it's so clearly that they're all leads. So I could, again, I could understand in One Night in Miami being like, we have four supporting roles. But Judas and the Black Messiah, they have two leads. Because we the story 100% follows the two of them. So it's it's very strange. 
But back to One Night in Miami. Back to One Night in Miami. Yes. So <laughs> reviewing One Night in Miami. Um, yeah. So is so it a I true like, story? Like it's the premise that all of these guys are in a bar one night well, in Miami. Okay. So this is where, so it's, it's a fictional account of a real night that happened. So this is after Muhammad Ali has a massive win. He's a boxer. For those of you who don't know, he was, he, he had a massive win in the sixties. I think, I think that's when this movie said. Yeah, it would have been the sixties because of Malcolm. Yeah. Okay. So in the sixties, he had a massive win and there wasn't really like a, a, a party that was planned for him. So Malcolm X and Sam Cooke kind of knew each other. Jim Brown kind of gets roped in and the four, these four, or kind of icons in the civil rights movement for many different ways, some of them sports icons. And of course, we you know Sam Cooke for, for music and then Malcolm X for, for all of his work they did in the civil rights movement. They're all together for one night. So so the writers and the director are, are kind of like making up what, what would have happened or could have happened or what the conversations were like. But these, these gentlemen, I guess, did get together. Like this, it kind of happened, but it's very fictional what happened. I'm sorry, how is this movie... More an adaptation than the trial of Chicago Seven. I don't know <laughs> because I guess it's I guess it's 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 adapted from a play. So I guess uh, that's where they go from. Like it starts okay. with a play. Yeah, actually, and that's Got an important it. thing to note in my review. Actually, is that it's it's adapted from a play. Okay, that so that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, um, but yeah, this this movie you know is really centered around the four of them. So you've got. Cassius Clay slash Muhammad Ali, who's doing his boxing, he's winning bouts, he's becoming very famous, um, but there's a lot of civil unrest that's kind of happening at the same time. You've got Malcolm X, uh, Jim Brown's a football player, um, and then you've got Sam Cooke, um, who, you know, obviously a singer, performer, and uh, this is about the four of them kind of getting together. And this movie is what I would define very clearly as a made-for-TV movie. More so than anything else. Like it, it did not, I think, live up to my expectation or hype or even what I would say is like a movie you'd want to go see in, in, a, in a movie theater. It just was okay. And the parts that were really good were very few and far between. That's um, like, but you said the director directs for TV, right? Yes. Regina King, this is her first feature. So, so, you know, we got to keep that in mind that, that this is a, relatively new director someone who's been acting for a long time but hasn't hasn't been behind the scenes like this a lot so that is and it's very different right like directing is very anyone will tell you directing is very very different so i think that there's a lot of growth that needs to happen here because this movie was disjointed to say the least i felt like there were two really fantastic performances malcolm x and sam cook so Kingsley Ben Adair, who played Malcolm X, and Leslie Owen Jr., who played Sam Cooke, were phenomenal, but they were so good, and the other two guys were just not really great, that every single time we were in a scene with, like, Jim Brown, I kept thinking, can we please get back to Malcolm X or Sam <laughs> Cooke? Like do, like, do we have to stay here with Muhammad Ali, like, this whole time? Like, they're not interesting. They're not dynamic. They weren't given a lot to do, and I just didn't, even though they had some of the, like, I would call the most vicious moments where people were just treating them horribly or saying horrible things to them. They were just, it was so poorly done that I was, I was just like, can we get, can we move along here? Can we get this movie going? It took so long for the four guys to get together that I was just like, we could have spent tw- 10 minutes just setting up. We know who these people are. You don't have to really introduce us. They're to big names. Much. Yeah. Like <laughs> we, we, we know who Malcolm X is. You don't have to set it up. Like <laughs> we have a sense of who Malcolm X is. And it just, it took so long to get to the one night in Miami that I just felt bored. And you know, what's tricky when it's an ensemble cast, they really do need to be equally matched because yeah. Otherwise, what what hap- what happens is what you experienced, right? Is that you don't care about half the storylines that are going on in the movie. And I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, pick on anybody and 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 say that like one person was was really bad and the other people were really good. Like it, but it was so abundantly clear that especially the guy who played Muhammad Ali, like I just felt he wasn't doing a very good job. Like he just wasn't hitting any important points. The movie just, it felt a lack of stakes 
and a lack of urgency considering the topic that it was really diving into. I mean, you have these icons of, of the civil rights movement and all their, they all have very, very, very different roles in different ways. Like Muhammad Ali especially was, was like being seen in a whole new light because he, he was like becoming well-known everywhere. And to the, the point that this movie makes, and, and it's a very good one, and they do it with Jim Brown a couple times, is people will idolize sports heroes, but they still wouldn't let them in their own homes. You know, there was still mm-hmm. this, this thing of like, no, 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 you, you don't belong in my home. And this movie, I just felt, didn't do anything with a very good topic, a very interesting dynamic group of people, important things that were happening, kind of a night that if you think of it as, okay, he did four icons, really well-known people, they're all going to spend one night in Miami. Your brain goes, wow, like what were they talking Great setup. About? Great setup, but just very little payoff. Um, there were some good moments, just not enough of them. And it reminded me too much of, of Green Book where you Taylor kept going on and on about how green book felt like a nineties movie. And this is the same thing. It one night Miami, the, even the way it was shot and filmed felt like, Oh, did this come out in 1997? You know, it's going to be so funny. That's going to be my, my review. Like all of the things (laughs) for hillbilly elegy. Oh really? (laughs) It really felt like I was watching like something like green book, like a movie that came out in the nineties. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And that's interesting that we both had that kind of impact with these movies because both of these movies have had quite a lot of talk about them. I just heard like a lot of criticism being like, okay, you know, the Academy did a pretty good job this year, but hey, here's a movie that's being snubbed. One night night Miami is getting snubbed for a lot of things. I got to say, I just don't think it was that good. I, I, I really like, like no I watched snubs. it. No snubs. No. It was fine. <laughs> it was, yeah. Like I, I don't think, I think Leslie Odom Jr. Being nominated makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm down for that. I actually would have said maybe Kingsley Ben Adair should have been nominated too. Cause he was very good as Malcolm X. I thought he had some of the best scenes and lines in the whole movie. Um, and then the other two just needed acting lessons. They were stiff as boards. Like I just couldn't. It was like they were cast because they looked like athletes. Oh, they went the route of it looks like the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I could kind of see that. I mean, I think I think that's a bit of a stretch with the guy playing Jim Brown. I don't think I know what Jim Brown looks like, and they don't look anything alike. But but I I think they went for like okay, these, these look like athletes, so we'll just kind of make it work. Neither of them were good in this movie, and I I just. It was too disjointed. It was too all over the place, too up and down, where you have these two amazing performances, two bad performances. There's no urgency in the script. The pacing was awful. The best parts of the movie were the four of them together sitting down in a corner in a hotel room and talking. And there just wasn't enough of that. So to me, this is a this is an absolute airplane it because I don't think it's so awful that I would say never see this, but throw it on an airplane and be like, oh, okay, this was like a movie that came out on television and I just missed it. And, <laughs> you know, you can check your Instagram every once in a while and then start paying attention when they all get to back to the hotel. <laughs> there you go. One night in Miami, no stubs. So I watched Hillbilly Elegy. I think I'm saying elegy, right? Elegy? I think so. That's, that's how I've heard it. They yeah. never say it like out loud in the movie. So, <laughs> so anyways. Um, I watched it on Netflix. I think it also, like in your case, Mike, I think it mm-hmm. might have been like always intended for Netflix, like a Netflix original. I'm not oh, sure okay. what was supposed to happen with it. Um, and it's adapted from a memoir. So okay. um, I, you know, thought, okay, like there's been some buzz about it. Big names, Amy Adams, um, Jen Close. Glenn Close has been nominated for Best Supporting Actress. and when I was reading about this movie a little bit, the funny, we say on the show, we try not to read about the movies, but when the movie is so bad or so good, I like, (laughs) you have to, you have to, right? So in this case, it was so bad that I'm like, okay, I got to get some more info about this movie. Like what the heck? So when I was doing the reading, Glenn Close is one of the, I don't know if it's the few or like, I think it is one of the few actresses to be nominated both for an Oscar and a Razzie for the same role. 
So, Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. So she's been nominated for both an Oscar and a Razzie for this movie. It has like 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. Like it is rated low. And that is rough. <laughs> there was some like controversy around the, or not controversy, but like, like I had said, some headlines about how, you know, it's poverty porn mm. or like it's, it like, um, does a disservice for like disenfranchised people, whatever. So going in this movie, it's directed by Ron Howard. Um, and it definitely feels like a movie, just like you were saying about your movie, like a made for TV movie from the nineties. And maybe that's like a Ron Howard thing. Like, I don't, I haven't, I don't know if I've seen a lot of Ron Howard movies. I probably, he, I think he made a lot of movies in the nineties. He Is did. That- and, and the types of movies I, I know him for at least are not this type of movie. I'm surprised. Like I'm actually speechless that Ron Howard directed this movie. It was so corny, like corny. Yeah. He's, so, he's pretty corny. Like he's a, he's a really good, like family director, like kind of like corny, like fun. So it was like corny, but like sentimental, like it's like, so the movie opens and it's kind of like taking place. So like, it's one of those movies that jumps timelines Right. So it takes place like the main storyline is taking place in like 2012 because I think that's when the memoir was written. And then it like jumps back to the lead actor kind of growing up and his experiences growing up in poverty. His mom has like like mental illness and drug addiction. And so how like he's been able to like pull himself up by the bootstraps and despite coming from this like very impoverished and traumatic childhood he's now going to Yale to become a lawyer so um it's based on a memoir that me like that it's the memoirs experiences growing up so like we can't dispute that but like already it's kind of like it's set up to be like oh it's going to be like a very inspirational movie right Mm -hmm. because we see it's juxtaposed between his very impoverished childhood and then, like, his current being at Yale. So, like, there's no stakes. Like, we know that he succeeded, right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the first 15 minutes, we're like, okay, so, like, <laughs> all right. Like, you're already in at Yale. What's there to worry about? But um, it has, like, so it opens with that flashback of him, like, gr- being a child, like, spending his summer in the Appalachian Mountains, like, you know, his family are quote unquote hillbillies. And it has that like horrible, like 90s narration. Like, like, you know, like, this is me <laughs> as a child. Like, now I this say, is starting to sound like a Ron Howard. Yeah. Movie. Like, <laughs> I say that I am from Ohio, but really, I spent my summers in the Appalachian Mountains and that's where my heart is. And, Ma and Pa taught me how to, and Come like on, that narration's like through the whole movie. Oh, man. <laughs> and so I was like, what? Just like so corny. And the lead actor, I had to look him up. He has credits, like he's been in things, but like so corny. Like to me, like such a horrible actor. And it was one of those scripts where it was like, um, the writer doesn't really know how like normal people talk. You know what I mean? Like, and it might've been, I don't know if it was the fault of the script or like the poor delivery, but so this guy, like, you know, grows up in a poor, like poor background, goes to the Marines and then is in law school. And so like, I could see like, he looks like a former Marine. And again, I don't know if it's one of those things where he was cast because he looks like the real guy, like in real life. And like, he does look like ex-Marine, but he would deliver these lines. Like he's supposed to be talking to his girlfriend on the phone and he'd be like, deliver the line. And then he'd be like, babe, like just the way he was saying, babe, I'm like, people don't talk like that. <laughs> like, you know, when you're watching a movie and you're like, oh, yeah. like, does this does the screenwriter like know how people talk? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, definitely get that. <laughs> she's right. I think it was a female screenwriter and I could be wrong, but it's like, she's writing how she assumes like an ex Marine would talk. You know right. what I mean? Without ever having talked to an ex Marine. So yeah, the movie was rough. It was rough to watch. 
And I would say that Ron Howard was successful in some some scenes because there is a lot of tension. Like Amy Adams is going through like drug abuse and it's like hinted at like mental, like a mental health crisis crisis and um, how she's like interacting with her son. Those were really tense moments. So I'll give him credit for those scenes, but it like melodramatic. Like it felt like a made for TV, like an after school special, right? Like mom's addicted to heroin. Oh, like this is how we're going to, I don't know. Like it just, it was weird. Like it just like people don't make movies like that anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, and and it, it's been not only getting buzz because of like uh, award nominations, but a lot of people were talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I know there's a controversy and stuff, but like, it's it's got two Oscar nominations: best achievement in makeup and hairstylings. Which and I will give them credit for that. Like, Glenn Co- Glenn Close and Amy Adams, they do look transformed, which I think is okay. the goal of makeup right is that they're gonna look like different different they're inhabiting the character so for that i would say that was successful and then best supporting actress i mean like it was it was a good it was a good performance but the fact that she was also nominated for a razzie i'm like oh maybe it wasn't as good as i thought (laughs) i guess a lot of people don't think it was that good then because of like razzie for those of you who don't know like a razzie is is basically for the worst of the year yeah they always come out around the oscars and it's like here's all the like worst things and it's kind of become a fun uh fun thing to look at some performances i bet you anything nicholas cage has been nominated for both oh yeah like that's why the first name that popped in my head was nicholas cage when you ask has anyone ever been nominated for both i bet you nicholas cage has so i mean i could see people thinking that she like kind of laid it on thick But then it was one of those movies that because it was based on real events and like real people, they did show like home video, like of the real of the real family. And I don't know, like she she had the mannerisms down and definitely had the look down. So in terms of like inhabiting the character, I think sometimes it's hard. Like there's a fine line between acting in like a caricature, you know, or like a. Yes. Yeah. I think that is an important distinction of like you're do, you're being a caricature or you're doing an impression versus acting. And so I could see people being like, oh, she's just like, this is what she thinks a hillbilly is. You know what yeah. I mean? But yeah. having seen images and home videos of the real woman, it's like, well, maybe that's just how she was. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it was a rough movie for me. This is a skip it. Okay, well, giving it a skip it. I think I originally had green. I think I had given Green Book. I was thinking back to last year because I think I was more positive with Green Book when I first reviewed it, and then ended up coming out uh, coming out a little bit harder. So I think my original review of Green Book was like it was like a. I think it's a stream it. It was a stream it, maybe a see it if you're like an older, like an old part of the older crowd. I don't see that Dan and I. Dan would kind of like drop in. Because he was like playing his game, he'd be like, "Who's this movie made for?" And it's true. I d- don't like. <laughs> was this movie made for people who like have come from that background, so they like see themselves in the main character and like it's aspirational for them? Maybe it's this movie to show like how bad drug abuse. I don't know. Like, I don't you know don't who know. this movie <laughs> was no for. I don't, I don't know. It was not enjoyable to watch. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's a skip okay. it for me. There you go. Um, Yeah, so last movie that we'll talk about today before we get an Army Hammer update, which is exciting, is Judas and the Black Messiah. So I saw this a couple weeks ago at the screening room. Um, I First of all, I just want to quickly say I think the screening room is doing a great job of making people feel safe and comfortable. Um, They spread people out. It's still easy to book online. With everything that's kind of going on and things getting kind of a little worse, I don't know if I'm going to make it back to the screening room again over the next little while, but I just want to give them a shout out. I thought they did a great job. I felt very comfortable uh, seeing this movie there. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah is also based on history. It's it's basically about a police informant who's been sent in to basically go undercover and um, go follow this very specific chapter of the Black Panthers. So the, the they basically get this young kid who was trying to steal cars, got caught stealing cars. And instead of sending him to jail, they cut a deal with him and send him in 
to um, to to basically infiltrate the Black Panthers, and things kind of go uh, crazy from there. Spoiler for history: a lot a lot of violence happens. A lot of things happen, especially near the end. And kind of the, the famous thing is is actually the assassination um, by the police of this uh, Black Panther uh, leader. They they raid his home and kill him. And um, the thing is, is that he's actually, at least in this movie, he's portrayed very much as a nonviolent person. He's very much a, I actually want to meet with the gangs and, and the groups and try to unite them with us, try to kind of bring everyone together so there's no more infighting and there isn't like, he, he's kind of um, shown as someone who's, he calls himself a revolutionary, someone who's trying to invoke change, but doesn't really go through the violent roots unless it's absolutely necessary um and this is a film that i i had a lot of mixed feelings about but overall i liked it i enjoyed the movie there's a lot of reasons why i really liked it i'm gonna quickly just go through why i didn't really think it was a best picture nomination to me because that was kind of what i mentioned last week and that was the fan question we got um to me this film is the ultimate mainstream tyler vance film this is a this is a very strange artistic movie, but made for a mainstream audience. Um, so if Tyler Vance sold out, yeah, like if Tyler if, they, if, Ty, if Tyler Vance was like, oh, fine, I'll make your movie, but like I'm going to do it my way, and it, it's just like a battle between super artsy and like mainstream. It's this movie because there are moments where the soundtrack is used in a way to only bring in sounds not music like a, a strike of a chord um a long violin or string that's kind of almost annoying and kind of punches you to to really show whatever emotion they want they don't really use music to add to the scenes they they bring in something that really starts to annoy you um even in the way this is shot and filmed i'm a big fan of of show don't tell this movie didn't tell or show a lot of things. There was a moment where I had to stop. Well, I, I, I mean, I can't stop the movie because I'm there, but I had to like sit back and be like, is you said is Wendy, spy now? Wendy, please. Like, press, Wendy, press Wendy, pause. Pause. <laughs> pause the recording. I'm confused. And it was just like this one moment at the beginning where, they, as I said, they kind of got this young guy. The police are cutting a deal with him. They're going to send him in to infiltrate the Black Panthers. And then suddenly he's like there. And I'm like, wait a minute. So is he a spy? Did he agree? Like, I don't understand what's going Like, it was just, it jumped around a lot. It created some very strange atmospheres. And I honestly thought, like, if someone made a, a movie, like, okay, this is a movie Tyler Vance will love, but I got to make it so Mike will enjoy it. It's the, <laughs> that's why I mean, it's the most mainstream Tyler Vance film. There's so many elements of, like, strange, artsy film stuff that I don't like in this movie. Yet, it's a very good plot, amazing performances. And it's, it's like shot really well it's just strange like it's that's the thing it's 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 a step up from you know like enemy or or but it's it, it feels very similar if you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Taylor. like it, we we could have reviewed this movie as part of our kind of f- experimental film club and it would fit very well it's just slightly more mainstream right. than those films so it's it's that's why I don't I don't see it as a best picture because to me best picture is the most well put together film and I thought the director did some confusing things. I thought that some of the way the soundtrack and music was used was very strange and I felt like it just wasn't it wasn't clicking for me and it wasn't moving in a way that was smooth and controlled. It felt a little sporadic and chaotic. It did feel like someone fighting against their instincts on what to do with scenes and I I kind of dock points off in my mind for a film that seems a little out of place confuses me at times even though the subject matter is dealt with very very well it is not a movie for the faint of heart it's a very touching dramatic movie um that's that's i mean gut-wrenching and and sad and and poignant and interesting and the perform lead performances are fantastic um that's why to me this is a see it i'm gonna give judas and the black messiah a see it I just wouldn't like best five films of the year. I just don't think it's complete. It doesn't work for you. No, it just doesn't work for me. But that's why I'm saying like, I bet you Tyler Vance would see this movie and just like love it. Like, I feel like he'd explode because it's (laughs) so her smell ish, but it's, it's mainstream enough that like a lot of people love the movie and it's nominated for best picture. Yet to me, it belongs 
in just like a, a little bit of a better version of these experimental films that do things that I don't really like. So that's kind of why, to me, it's not a best picture. But I understand why people like it because Judas and the Black Messiah is a see it for me. The performances are incredible. It's it's a great movie at times, but so many weird things happen in it where it's kind of like, what are you doing? You're taking it as a whole, right? As a whole, mm-hmm. it just didn't yeah. click. Just didn't click for me. Um, let's let's before we we run out of time here, and there's so much more that I'm sure we have to say about these films because there's even things I'm forgetting to talk about. But we're running out of time, and we want to get to Army Hammer. But but over the next couple of weeks, I promise we'll come back to these and do right in like Akil. Tell me more details about why you like Judas and the Black Messiah, and let's uh, keep talking about it. But uh, right now. Let's go to our Army Hammer update. Army Hammer under investigation by LAPD for sexual assault. Okay, so it's official now. It's official. It was, um, the incident was reported on February 3rd, and this was reported on the 19th of March. So about, uh, as of us recording, like three, three days ago, um, four days now that this is airing. So, um, they're not sure exactly the woman who has um, accused him or who has filed the report, but it's a pretty good suspicion that um, way back many weeks ago when I had mentioned these Instagram posts of this woman who was posting exchanges like text messages between her and allegedly Army Hammer, um, people are thinking that it's that same girl, the girl who leaked those that okay. who made that Instagram post, she's the one who's filed that's this a, report. I was about to ask if it's going to be if it's connected because that's the thing. Like we talked about this before about how the cannibal thing we've kind of laughed at, but this is where to me it starts to get more serious. Oh yeah, he's this is officially the... being investigated, and if he did do this, he needs to be punished for it. And this is the first step. You have to open an investigation and start looking into this. And I'm not going to read um what he's being accused of because it's actually very graphic like the the crime that she's accusing him of is very graphic it's in all of the reports so if if people are curious they can go ahead and read it but if what she's saying is true and at this point we don't really um you know we'll give her the benefit of the doubt uh, as we should um uh you know she's a a victim so um it's graphic like if this is for real like wow army and this is this is like we talked about this like weeks and weeks ago how like the the more and more suspicious things keep coming up that there's clearly something going on here uh with a who he is as a person but also all these activity like it started with there's these weird comments about the cannibalism and then there was the the murder investigation near the site where he was working he's been dropped by his agent his publicist and now we've got these allegations coming out and an investigation is going to have to you know, figure out what's And so he's doing the typical, like, all of my relationships are consensual because these are, you know, um, she's accusing him. It's kind of similar to if people remember John Gameshi many years Mm -hmm. ago, how his, a couple of his partners accused him of sexual assault and he went, no, 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 it it was just BDSM. It was consensual. So that's what Army Hammer is saying. Oh, all of my partners were consensual. They knew what they were getting themselves into. You know, she's just doing this for publicity. So that's his, that's his, um, I don't know, alibi, I guess you can say. So um, it's going to be, unfortunately, with sexual assault cases, it's often breaks down to he said, she said. Mm-hmm. Um, but her lawyer, the woman who's filed this report, they have documentation of her injuries. And so, um, yeah, we'll see. Like, hopefully justice will prevail. But um, but selfishly, there was a headline saying he might be recast in the Man from Uncle 2 sequel. Didn't even know there was going to be a sequel. But I guess the original producer <sighs> is still hoping. And so now because of what? even oh. even our Man from Uncle is not, you know, nothing is sacred. <laughs> I know, man from Uncle. Such I wasn't even thinking about that. Said, oh no, now yeah. we're gonna lose the man from Uncle thing. Oh, yeah. but again, this is the thing. Like, like I said before, if he, if if this is true, and and someone's accusing him of this, and and the investigation yields that, yep, yep, this is what happened. He needs to be punished for it, and he can't. Yeah, he's got to go to jail. Like, he's got to go to jail. <laughs> like that's as simple. It's as simple as that. Like people always have these nuanced things about. Oh, like of course we can enjoy his movies from before, but the guy should be in prison. Period. Yeah. 
Like there's no question in our mind and it does, this doesn't have to be complicated. Well, there you go. It's unfortunate that we have to end on that note because you know, it's uh, it was interesting to see where the cannibal saga goes to, but unfortunately there's more important things now um, for, uh, for things to be dealt with. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, right? The time mm-hmm. will only tell what happens, but we'll keep you updated on any army hammer news, but that's it for this week's episode. I hope everybody uh, enjoyed this week and our talk about the Oscar films stick, uh, stick with us over the next couple of weeks as we get down to the Oscars. Go streams the movies. Thank you for listening to the screening in Kingston podcast recorded at CFRC at Queens university in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.